Greetings, citizens of Earth. You are barking a happy tune with my pal Smurf of Smurf and the Magic Tones on 5280 Geek. Live from the Colorado Festival of Horror, Smurf here with a legend in, and I cannot believe he is here. This, to everyone, is just Dean Gates. Yes. But to a lot of fans, you are so much more. And let me, let me, just, let me just crack the surface on this for everyone at home. If you're unaware of Dean Gates, Dean Gates has done uh, Eyes of the Stranger, Day of the Dead, Invasion USA, Raw Deal, Maximum Overdrive, Blue Velvet, Dracula's Widow? Yeah, Sylvia Christel from Emmanuel. Ooh. Oh, Oh, mm, I liked her. Joseph Summer and uh, Lenny Van Dolan. The Terror Within, The Return of Swamp Thing, which ugh, I wish you would have been part of the first Swamp Thing. That probably would have made that film a little bit better. Uh, Manic Cop 2, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Best of the Best 2, Jurassic Park, Phantasm, and of course, probably more Star Trek titles and credits than we have time for. My God, Dean, you are a living legend. Well, in my own mind, definitely, and I'm glad I can. You know, it's great coming to, to uh, conventions and places like this. The 300 people that might think you're somebody, maybe half of them might be here. Right. And you feel it's a, it's a wonderful feeling to share that and do that. And then you just, you're, you're, you're a regular guy in the rest of your life because most people, when they, you know, they maybe find out you've done something, a great majority of people, you say, oh, I worked on Star Trek or I worked on or worked on uh, you know, horror films, they go, oh, I'm not, I'm not a Star Trek fan. I mean, they want to tell you what they're not right away. I mean, they, they, as if, as if uh, just talking to me makes them look like they're don't, a don't, don't get any on don't, the... don't get close to me. Oh, I don't like horror. Oh, there's horror films. You work on those? Ooh, you know. So it's great to come here and, and talk to folks that love it or specifically have maybe seen some of your films that you've worked on and, and ask you very specific questions. It's really, a, it's really a treat because in everyday life that doesn't happen. No, because I mean, and especially with the Star Trek fans, the closet ones, they're the first ones to say, oh, no, 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 I don't like Star Trek. Or, you know, immediately, no, I'm a Star Wars fan. You know, I don't want <laughs> to admit to the Star Trek. But, I mean, the horror is its own little weird world. How did you get into horror? Was it your first start? Or did you start on the sci-fi world and just kind of cross over? Well, I was interested. When I was a kid, um, I discovered, you know, I grew up um, when I was aware of, you know, watching TV and first time you stay up late to watch something in the middle of the night, uh, back before the days of uh, streaming and, and uh, cable and, and uh, home video, uh, the only way you saw a movie was you went to the movie theater or you saw it on TV. Well, when Universal Studios released the shock theater package to local stations, the studios would print 16-millimeter prints and send them out all over the country, and a station would show a 16-millimeter print on a film chain, and they had all the classic original Frankenstein and Dracula and Wolfman, and I started seeing those either Friday night or uh, Saturday night, 
uh, a suburb of Washington, D.C., and they would have a horror host come on. And he would, you know, usually uh, uh, they, they had a guy piped in from out of town, Sir Graves Gastly. I think he might have been out of Philadelphia. But then they finally got a local guy, uh, Dick Dizel, who at Channel 39, it was the UHF station in Bethesda, Maryland. I believe it was Bethesda, Maryland. Uh, he would be Bozo in the morning. <laughs> Not the original Bozo, but he, they licensed Bozo. He played Bozo in the morning and have a Bozo show. And then in the afternoons, he did Captain 20, where later he would do Star Trek and sci-fi stuff. And then uh, on uh, late night, on Friday or Saturday night, he was... Count Gord de Ball, you know, the pasty makeup <laughs> and the drawn and widow speak. And he would show, you know, you know, be very campy and, and they would show the horror films. So I would always stay and watch those. I mean, you know, it's just like, well, what's, what are they going to show next? What are they going to show next? You know, and so I got a, a love for those classic universal films. All right. And then at one point he had a contest when now by the time I got into high school, I was doing more uh, trying to duplicate makeups and my friend's and I were doing little uh, uh, eight millimeter Super 8 movies, even as early as junior high or what they call middle school today, like around eighth grade, doing stop motion animation, laying more hair in the hand and making like a wolf man hand grow or doing little miniatures in front of a lazy Susan paper mache mountains going by uh, and, and hanging your little uh, spacecraft on a wire and, and making, you know, doing that. So we were making <laughs> our little movies and um, uh, uh, I made uh, my sister up to look like Linda Blair from The Exorcist. Exorcist had just been out for a few years, and I submitted it for the Monster of the Week contest, and Count Gordon of All was hostess Monster of the Week, and you would come in and, and, and host a show with him for maybe a couple of months he was gonna do this. Well, my sister, she won, and I, I, I brought her in, and I made her up, and it was the first time I ever saw some kind of semi-professional you know, studio, and all the things I saw on my TV and the old, you know, pre-high-definition def televisions, it looked like these candelabras and a casket and a castle and, and stone walls. It was all made out of cardboard. It, you know, I mean, the candelabras were mailing tubes with little tea lights on the top, and I thought, wow, this stuff looks pretty cheap. And there was the bozo set pushed to the side. Just, and there was just on casters lights. thrown you know, in the corner. Uh, it was like, you know, it was like, uh, wow. And so he was shooting maybe five or six uh, Gordeval or you know Count Gordeval shows uh, in one day, and there was all these other people there in different costumes. We saw my sister; he was like, you know, he was in character the whole time, going like, "Oh, welcome, come on in, whatever." And he saw my sister, and he was like, "Whoa!" He goes, "Hey, kid, how'd you do this?" You know? <laughs> he was like, "So I, I, I got my kind of first validation that I was maybe doing something from reading all the." At the time, only books in the library, Richard Corson's uh, uh, theater makeup book or looking at Life magazine pictures of Dick Smith doing Little Big Man and using a magnifying glass. I'm going, what's that on his show? How's he doing that? And then talking about how foam rubber's made and things. I hadn't yet made foam rubber but uh, for appliances, but I was working with Mortician's Wax and ordering things. And there was a makeup supply place in D.C. we drive into. I think it supplied strippers or something for the strip clubs. But I would get their you know, latex and, right. and goober and things like that. So I was starting to do stuff, and, and uh, I realized, oh, this guy thinks I'm, I'm you know, did something kind of fun. And then, um, so that was my intro. Uh, and just, just like, just like scary movies, how they were done. I, I liked the, um, you know, the, the stories, the macabre, interesting stuff. And my mom used to always say, "You better stop watching that stuff, or you're gonna get a warped mind." So anyway, and mom, bless her heart, led to, to a yeah. long-lasting career. A long-lasting career, and uh, with my warped mind or not. So anyway, uh, that was where things kind of got started. And uh, uh, I went to college, started studying engineering. Uh, 
really wasn't digging that very much, and I had a drama professor that I was doing um, mountain youth drama. We did these uh, old folk tales and stuff in the Southwest Virginia at the small school I was at. Well, they got a contract from the local PBS station to be us be the performers for doing these um, folk tales and stuff. And I started applying my makeup knowledge to those things and doing more. And that was the first time I had my stuff filmed and, and with film cameras, and right. professional. You know, it was PBS, but they, they, they had a nice production value. And I, I and my my drama professor said, "Hey, man," he said, "You know, what do you you know? Why don't you go study movie making, or whatever?" And I go, "Wow, that sounds like a good thing." So I, I transferred down to the University of Miami and started studying film production. And all my student films involved horror or sci-fi or some kind of fantastical. And it was at that time. I had an internship on a small movie Ken, Ken Wiederhorn was directing, who was known for Shockwaves, Underwater Nazi Zombies, mm -hmm. King Frat, which was a knockoff of Animal House, which had just come out. And we were getting ready to do a, a little you know, psychological thriller with Jennifer Jason Leigh in her first movie. Oh, wow. Yeah, uh, she was very young. And, uh, and uh, Lauren Tweez, who played Julie, the ship's director, uh, uh, you know, social director on Love Boat, mm -hmm. you know, Love Boat, she was there. And we had and we had John DeSante playing the killer who had played the Belushi knockoff part in their King Frat movie, but he was really a, a very intense, very uh, a very great bad guy. And the producers, uh, I was there and I saw oh, this one scene with this little girl that's supposed to look like she's been attacked or whatever. And that was supposed to be uh, Jennifer Jason Lee's character as a young girl, and she's supposed to look beat up in the hospital like she some guy attacked her and hurt her, and she if she becomes deaf and can't talk you know, as an adult. And I said, hey, can I show you what I can do with this makeup? And then and I made up the, the secretary in the office. They go, whoa. And they go, well, yeah, you make up the girl. That was the first time I think I got paid, you know, 100 bucks or something. And I got my first, uh, I was in college still. I got paid to make someone for a movie. But I went away to spring break, got my first car to bring back to college, an old Toyota I drove down, got back to, from Virginia, got back to Miami. I walk in the office and I hear the guy say, Oh yeah, you know, we just saw an advanced screening of this new movie that our producers have put some money into. It's called uh, Friday the 13th. And wow, it was really pretty gory. And we think that's the wave of the future. So we're going to have the guy that did that come down and add about five gory scenes to our movie, Tom Savini. I go, Tom Savini? And they go, you know him? And I go, my God, I just... Legend. I, well, well, at the time, you know, I, I had just seen Dawn of the Dead in theaters. Right. Which was just, you know, today you look at it and might think it's a little cartoony. But at the time, it was very shocking because of the bloodletting, the exploding heads, um, the the, just the carnage, the, in la that. the lady biting, uh, the guy biting the woman and pulling that. You see the white fleshy stuff mm -hmm. of the blood coming out. I mean, all of that was just so intense. And I thought, wow, that's amazing. And I had seen *Night of the Living Dead* uh, several years after it was released when I was in junior high, probably about six years earlier, on a double feature with *Scars of Dracula* at a film festival. So I, I actually w watched old like Hammer films, right. and things, and, and *Night of the Living Dead* really. Uh, I never thought, oh, I'd never be scared. But I remember Night of the Living Dead. I would go home at night and kind of think about that. And it made me a little, a little sick to the stomach. It was such an intense movie. You know, with the mystery of the little girl stabs her mom with the, with the trowel and all that. I remember thinking, like, and it was like shot where I grew up. It wasn't Hollywood. It was like, like real, you know, the forest of Pennsylvania looked just like the forest of Virginia. And I thought, this kind of looks like it could be here, you know. It's like, <laughs> it wasn't like some slick Hollywood faraway place. So um, Tom comes in. Uh, and uh, 
and he was just he was really fun a lot, a lot of fun i mean really was just you know he, he was uh you know, had his red contact lenses in, was always taking off his glasses and scaring people and squirting blood everywhere. And he had Betsy Palmer's separate head from uh, Friday the 13th uh, with her mouth open. He used it as an ashtray walking around smoking. You know, we didn't see the movie yet, but he's talking about how, how you do a full head cast. And then he goes, oh, look, I got all, I just visited Dick Smith. I knocked on his door and we all knew Dick Smith is like, we call him the godfather of modern prosthetic makeup mm -hmm. from Little Big Man and Taxi Driver and The Exorcist. And um, we... Um, he said, and he gave me all these formulas, how he, how he makes his blood, how he does his bullet hit in the head effects, how he does all these cool formulas and things. He goes, here, just take them back and, 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 and Xerox them, you know, Xerox them for me. So uh, you know, so I, I still have those in a folder today. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that's got me started. I, I, uh, so I worked with Tom briefly. Then I went back and started working on student films. And I say, hey, we shoot people in the head. We do this and that. We're doing all these great effects. I mean, my, my level of knowledge grew, got better. And the next thing you know, um, I'm uh, uh, out working in Miami, I'm a production assistant on Scarface, I'm working as a location scout on Miami Vice, I'm doing editing on commercials, I'm making props for people. Oh, I keep, wow. I keep saying, hey, I can do makeup effects. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, kid. Uh, the kids will Here, edit this for me. Yeah, edit this for me, whatever. <laughs> well, it started kind of coming around where they go, well, you know, we need to lay like a ventriloquist dummy uh, for this. Uh, car commercial about how, you know, these mechanics don't treat you like a dummy. And I said, well, can we do a progression where she looks more and more like the dummy? And they go, oh, that's a great idea. And, you know, so you start adding ideas and we're doing these commercials and people from New York are coming down. You know, Miami is a big place for doing commercial production. So I started doing uh, more prosthetics and making, doing foam rubber and learning about that. And lo and behold, uh, a few years later, I get a call from Greg Nicotero, who's Tom's assistant on Day of the Dead. And he goes, well, hey, Dean, you know, I had on your list here, Tom might have had you be in our full-time crew, but we've got guys up here, but we're coming to Florida. Can you get the other five other people? we got to make like a hundred so background zombies up. You guys can do that for this Day of the Dead thing. I go, is anything to do with George? Oh, yeah, it's George Romero's follow-up to uh, Dawn of the Dead. I go, oh, my gosh. I go, I get to work. Came full circle. Came full circle. Wow. So we were on the set doing that, and that's where I met John Vullage and Everett Burrell, who later formed Optic Nerve. John Vullage was just a master. I saw him blending appliances to the face. I learned tricks about that. We saw their sculpting techniques, uh, coloring. Um, you know, Howard Berger and, of course, uh, Nicotero, who later formed KMB several years later after they worked with another fellow I got to know very well, Mark Showstrom. And um, so anyway, we all stayed in touch. I worked on the movie. And then a few months later, they called me again. They're coming to Miami to do a Chuck Norris movie because Joe Zito, who's directing, had directed several of the Braddock Missing in Action films, right. was now doing this bigger Chuck Norris movie because... They, they had this five-picture contract with Chuck. They wanted to up the budgets. And uh, Dakota Silence had just come out, so now Chuck got these legitimate credits. You know, he's not just a chop sake guy, but he's like a real, you know, action hero. Right. So we're doing that movie, and, you know, we're just making body parts and things, you know, people getting shot and stuff like that, which was, you know, but it was fun to see huge explosions and shoot them ups and we were in... Uh, at, at five points in downtown Atlanta, we were having the 300 National Guard and 20 tanks come up every street. You know, several streets come together in one spot. Every night we're filming a different one. We've got 300 
extras making up all the terrorists and they're getting blown up. And so it was like a big, now I'm working on this big, you know, big extravaganza. Well, Tom and his, the, the rest of the crew had to leave to work on something else. And they said, Dean, here's the rest of the few other gags that need to be done. You just stay here and come do them. And next thing you know, people are talking about this Stephen King movie. It's going to be shot in North Carolina called Maximum Overdrive. And they're looking for someone to, you know, to, to do the makeup effects. And the makeup lady on the show, uh, Marlena May, was very gracious to recommend me. She she was going to move on and do that movie. And, and they wanted Tom, or Stephen King directing, wanted Tom to work on it. But uh, it was what, what there wasn't enough makeup effects really to justify him being on the right. picture. And King thought, Maybe Tom could also do stunts because he was doing stunts for Romero, and they said, "Well, no, we need to get. We got some big stunts going on, and we need to rig some huge things." So we got some other guys doing that, right? You know, like Glenn Randall from Raiders of the Lost Ark and stuff. So we go, okay. So Tom moved on, didn't didn't do anything. So now I'm on Maximum Overdrive, uh, doing Carnage and working with Stephen King, and uh, that was fun. So that's kind of the start. And there's one other quick movie in there. I did a one-off. The, the uh, uh, night, um, Nightmare Weekend was a uh, co-French English by way of a guy from India was a movie theater owner in, in England and American production shot in Orlando later got picked up by Troma Troma didn't produce it but it was all shot in English with a scratch track later dubbed in English what? I know it was really it, it, they, they, the French just record like Italians. They just recorded a scratch track on set. So later, you know, you watch everyone speak, and it's like Hercules. I beg of you, please don't come down from Mount Olympus. I mean, it's almost like you know that horrible Arnold Schwarzenegger oh. film when they didn't let him talk for Hercules. Oh yeah, Her Her Hercules <laughs> in New York. Yeah, that was uh, uh, Howard Stanko. Uh -huh. It was in uh, Mad Mad World. Mad 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 World. Love uh, that movie. Yeah, I love his, those movies. His his partner in that, the other guy that ran the gas station, um, it was Howard Stanko. Uh, God, who was the other guy? I worked with him on a move uh, on a commercial where I had to blend, make him into a giant dryer hose. I know it sounded well. Other people were pieces of wood, saws, and a sprinkler head. Anyway, it was giant props, and I had to do the blending pieces to go into the thing. And uh, Melvin, what's that guy's name? Anyway, great comedic actor that the, they're the two guys that have the gas station it's a mad mad world right anyway, anyway. oh i get um, off on tangents sorry no it was john who's in was it wasn't jonathan jonathan winters wasn't it he was in there too yeah he, he's one of the main guys yeah. that interacts with those guys and tears up but there's another the the, the two guys in the white suit you know the white uh, ice cream outfits like you know uh running the gas station yeah howard stanko and Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I can't remember this guy's name. I can't remember either. He got kind of a little mushy face, and he's a, he's a great, great character actor. He's been in tons of things. Yes. Like a New York theater guy, anyway. And, and I, I keep seeing uh, Sid Caesar, and Yo, all, I, I got everybody's. All those guys were there. All those guys. Yeah, those are such heavy hitters in that yeah, film, yeah. and I can't. I can see, yeah, it's, it'll come to me. It'll. It's not Buddy Hackick. No. no. Buddy Hackick was in there, too. Yeah. He, was, he, was, he was one of the main guys. Anyway. Anyway. We'll figure it out later. So. People at home are screaming. Yeah, well, you know what? If they know, if they've seen Mad 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 World, I will just be impressed with that. You can at me all you want. Just thank you for seeing a good film. The Maximum Overdrive that you mentioned, yes, has probably one of my favorite. I mean, implied death scenes. Yes, yes. Um, as if you haven't watched Maximum Overdrive, killer film. But the the machines rise up. And overthrow the humans, and there's this scene where a guy is just laying in his front yard with the lawnmower, just munching his head. Well, it's interesting. Now you're you're combining a couple of ideas here. The guy is laying there, 
and the lawnmower has already munched him. We never see it munched. We never see it, which yeah, I wanted we, to we, see. When well, we, well, we pass by him and we see his face, and I wanted to drop his head down on a hole and then have like a fake half head, have his back <laughs> and have a fake. We, we did that in, 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 they did that in Day of the Dead. Yeah. They had the guy, the guy on the table with the exposed brain putting electrodes in him, and then we had the one, one, uh, one of the guys had his head dropped down the side of the table, and then they put a fake head up there, it was half removed. Um, Right after that, the lawnmower passes him. It goes down a driveway and goes right by the camera. And this was one of the, uh, you know, kind of a tragic thing that happened. Uh, accidents happen, movie sets can be very dangerous places. The lawnmower actually ran into the camera. It was on the ground looking up the driveway. It was a, a sloped driveway. And they had these wooden wedges that they put under things to raise things up. Right. You know, half of a two by four cut in a diagonal. The lawnmower was remote controlled. It had a special, some kind of pneumatic system that made it remote control, but it also had working blades. And in hindsight, probably you didn't need the blades working as it goes down the, the driveway, but it was working and they kept trying to get it to go and the, and the uh, remote control aspects weren't working too well. About the fourth or fifth or sixth take, oh, it's going down the driveway. Oh, we're going to get the shot. It's going down the driveway. Well, instead of going beside the, you know, right beside the camera, you know, and off, off camera, it hit right and it popped up and started eating the mat box of the camera. So that's what you remind me. And it was chewing up the camera. The blades were spinning. And the young um, Italian uh, assistant cameraman to the Italian camera crew, she puts her leg up and tries to kick the lawnmower away. Oh, my God. Because her whole thing is save the camera. And Armando, the director of photography, and Armando Nanuzzi, very famous Italian director of photography, did spaghetti western, shot the, the, uh, the Jesus of Nazareth, mm -hmm. I mean, all these epic Italian shows. He reaches down to grab her and pull her out of the way. And right when he does, fortunately, she didn't get hurt. But then the, the lawnmower blades hits one of those wooden wedges, and it flies up sideways and lands right across the, bri the, uh, the bridge of the eye and the cheekbone. It doesn't poke into the eye, but it's enough pressure. It didn't poke the eye out, but it jumbled the tissue in the eye. And he lost sight in that eye for the rest of his career. Oh. And, um, and we were down for a week while they tended to him and air vacked wow. him out to wherever they, they sent him to to work on. So that that's maybe what you're thinking of is the, is the, the, the thing that's, chewing, chewing yeah. And that was an amazing thing. And, and interesting to see uh, De Laurentiis, what a shrewd producer he was. You know, the whole crew gets paid for a week, do nothing, and we get back up to working again. And I think um, his uh, son, uh, uh, who was a camera operator, kind of stepped in as director of photography to kind of take over for his dad. And his father showed up later, but... Uh, 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 with a very red and jumbly tissue looking eye. But um, I think there was a lawsuit that happened. I, it was all off the books, but something happened after that. A little something-something. Yeah, a little something-something. But uh, he did continue to work on a few more movies. But uh, uh, I think he shot uh, Roger Corman's last directed movie, uh, Hercules. I'm sorry, Hercules. <laughs> Hercu Hercules, I beg of you. No, uh, Frankenstein Unbound, if you remember that one. I do remember that uh, one. With, I believe, uh, Bridget Fonda is uh, in that movie. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, yes. Uh, Armando shot that overseas in England or whatever. Anyway, um, so he did continue to work for a little while longer. But uh, we got near the end of the movie. Uh, we blow up the Happy Toys truck. They get on the ship that sail off. And in the script, they're supposed to continue. They're heading to Ballhead Island, which is a true island in uh, 
in the, off the coast of Wilmington that has no motor vehicles. It's all golf carts and uh, no heavy giant equipment to run you over. Right. So they, the, the theory in the movie, and they actually, I think they say they were going to head to this island, and uh, so they get on the boat, they start heading out, and in the water they're supposed to encounter a self-driving with machine gun Coast Guard cutter that tries to shoot them up on the boat. There was this whole thing with that. They were going to spend a week shooting that, and they finally make it to the island. Well, we get to that point, Dino goes, Hmm, I paid the crew for a week already where they didn't work. We now have a week left to shoot. Uh, editor, uh, do we have enough to make a movie? Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, we got plenty. Okay, we'll just cut that off. We'll end it with them just heading out, of the, heading out of the thing. Movie's done. We're back on schedule, back on budget. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, that sucks. So we never got to, because it's very like, uh, which, which night, Return of the Living Dead, where they get out of the mall and they get to the boat and they go to the island. It, oh, the, it's the very remake. Yes. Yeah, the remake, Return of the, uh, remake, the remake of Dawn of the Dead. Yes. Yeah. Totally yeah. makes me think of that, too. Yeah, and, yeah it does. And then the, you hear the recording of them making it to the island. They're all getting eaten <laughs> anyway. It's like, yeah. Oh, get back to the boat. Yeah, that's how it probably should have been. You don't get out. You'd never, You'd get, never out. get out. You never get out. What is your favorite prosthetic or um, your your favorite product or thing I've, thing I've done. Yeah. A um, couple of things. Uh, Maniac Cop 2 because I got to create my own original movie monster. Uh, even though the Maniac Cop 1 was there, we did a whole different design for number 2. It was my design. I, I had the idea that after 1 happened, and 1 was very minimal. Bob Zadar had very minimal, I think a right. Eloy on his face or something. Uh, I said, well, at the end of that movie, he goes in the water. What, you know, what if he's under the water for a while? He's going to get a little pruned up and whatever and zombified. So let's let's do that to him. And then Larry Cohen suggested, oh, I'd like to see a fan with the opera type nose. Maybe his nose is kind of missing or something. So I did the missing nose and, and, and I recreated where all the scars. I watched the original thing where he gets slashed down the jaw and where he got slashed in the throat. So I recreated the slashes and then I put a couple extra bullet hits because, you know, there's some gunfire going on. Of course. And um, then damaged one eye, put a contact lens in, uh, had the great Richard Snell make the contact lenses for me, and I uh, had Kareen Hansen make a beautiful uh, lace wig, which I have down at my table. Uh, I have my, my stand, my, my uh, pole from the original mold, fiberglass heads on my table down there at the convention, and I actually have the original wig that was worn by Bob Zadar in the movie. Um, so doing that was really great. Uh, it's one of those... Uh, you know, things you say, well, I wish it, I wish it had gotten the theatrical release it deserved. Uh, a great action horror film. Probably the best example of action horror of the 80s, 90s. Uh, we shot at 89, 90. Mm -hmm. uh, Spiro Rosados did all the car chase scenes, who went on now and does well, the first five or six Fast and Furious movies before they went to CGI and does all the chase scenes in the Avenger films. He is an expert, beautifully staged car chase guy. Mm -hmm. and they, they put some great stuff in that movie. So uh, that film was great. I, I got to create my own movie monster. Uh, you know, I was really uh, glad I worked on it. And then years later, I uh, tell this story many times, you know, where you put your message in the bottle, you throw it in the ocean, you forget about it, and 25, 30 years later, someone gets on Facebook when you first on there and says from England, hey, did you work on Maniac Cop too? I go, yeah, this is my favorite film. They showed that ad nauseum over here in England. We, we all saw it. We all grew up with it. It was amazing. And I go, wow. For 25 years, 30 years, I thought, well, no one really ever saw the movie. You know, no? it's a great film. Never got Are you kidding? It. I got a copy of it in VHS. I got it sitting right next to Dead Heat. Yeah. Oh, those two oh, films oh, are just right. Like, oh. My buddy, I mentioned Todd Masters. He did all the effects on Dead Heat. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that they got me on Swamp Thing. In fact, he was, he was, I think he was doing Dead Heat about the same time we did Swamp Thing. I think it, it would, if I remember my timeline right, yeah. yeah it's somewhere right around that 80, time. 88, 80, uh, 86, 87. Mm -hmm. um, so there's that. 
Um, I got to do, you know, there's a couple of classic things. I, I got to do an old age, a really great old age uh, progression makeup for a commercial that was for the Florida Bar Association. After I moved to L.A., some of the commercial people who I planted my seeds years earlier in Miami, they would call me up, and that's where I went with um, our actor, we can't remember, and did all the uh, uh, garden appliances and tools made into anthropomorphic people uh, makeups. Um, we, I did that for a, a company, Filmworks in Florida, and, and, and I, did, uh, I did an old age for the Florida Bar Association. They had this great actor, uh, Kane DeVore, Duvall, Kane Duvall, and, uh, and he's a young man, and, and every time we see him, he's uh, saying something negative or crappy about old people, you know, as a, as a young man, <laughs> as a businessman, as an older guy. And finally, he's really old, and he says, I wish I knew then what I know now. And it's like, do not discriminate against the elderly. Call your liberal. <laughs> don't don't smack an old person office. And oh my God! You know, anyway, that so that that was that was cool to do that, and I got to do the whole McGillow with that. That was fun. And then maybe the other thing is, uh, my buddy Mark Schostrom, We got to you know work together on Phantasm Three, and uh, you know Mark's a real heavy hitter. Uh, you know, has a big name in the business, and yeah. and um, you know, the Evil Dead Two, and all the great stuff he did for. Uh, you know Charlie Band, and um, and we uh, uh, he did he had done Phantasm two with a larger crew, and then he admitted to me he said you know we did more work on Phantasm three with only two of us, but we had six months to prepare. Yeah. So we sat in for six months and prep prep prep, and Don Coscarelli can really get a lot of production value out of everything. I mean he makes things look much bigger and, and more than they were. So it was really I felt like I got to work on I mean people love the first phantasm, the second's got some interesting things, all they use a they use a different actor for right. the for the uh, character. And then they bring him back for uh, the third Michael Baldwin they bring him back for the third, which was great. But um uh, anyway, uh, you know, I'm, I'm probably prejudiced because I worked on it, but I think the third one's the best one in the, in the series, at least <laughs> the for the first effects. one is so hokey. Well, you know, it, but it's it's, it's in the it's in the, the it, time. If that if that was the first thing you saw, it's, it's near to your heart. But yep. you know, but uh, you know, making Reggie the star, and and then Ang Angus Grimm was such a great guy, wonderful gentleman to, to to hang out with and talk to. I learned a lot about him. How he was known for. Uh, Writing liner notes for uh, classical music and stuff. He was, oh wow! Uh, he had quite a quite a career doing that, and uh, you know, uh, and of course the people in the Phantasm. I mean, he's like he's like the you know the god of of, of horror movie actors. I mean, he's like a, he's like you know Boris Karloff for today's audiences, right. or at least back in the eighties. So, Phantasm three, uh, and then. Um, uh, Maxim Overdrive, you know, was my first big thing, uh, a big, big project. It, it, it was a lot of fun. Maxim Overdrive was a lot of fun. Young crew, we just, people just, you know, they just they just brought their A-game. And, and, and it shows. And, and working for De Laurentiis, he brought in lots of folks from Italy and England. So I got the chance, not only later, to learn, you know, learn from like the Dick Smith New York kind of style, and later the Hollywood style, but I got to learn European Techniques. Oh, wow! Uh, and um, worked with um, uh, you know Carla Rambaldi on the uh, King Kong Lives, and I you know now here's an interesting thing. At the time, there was no IMDb, no social media, no nothing. So unless you know, you're working with, so unless you knew what they worked on 20, 30 years ago, it was whatever, it was a bit of a it was it was it, it was it was an enigma thing. Unless someone said to you, oh hey, by the way, I worked with Mario Bava on uh, you know Black Sabbath or uh, you know Danger Diabolique. I mean, if you didn't know that, you're like, oh okay, you know. And, and Mario Bava's like, I mean, I remember watching his films as a kid. I didn't know. I always 
you know, Planet, of, Planet of the Vampires, Hercules and the Underworld, uh, um, you know, um, Danger Diabolique and all these things. And I thought, man, there's a vibe. This guy's movies is so unique, right. so crazy. And Black Sabbath, you know, um, and Black Sunday, mm -hmm. Black Sunday, uh, Barbara Steele. So um, I remember working with Rambaldi, and I didn't know that he had worked on those movies. I mean, I, I just, you know, I knew, okay, he did the King Kong in 76 with, or 75 with Jessica Lange, and then I'm working on the King Kong now in, um, you know, in, um, you know, 80, uh, 86. And I know he worked on, he did E.T., and he did, you know, did the, did the mouth sticking out in Alien, and, uh, you know, he did the, the White Buffalo. I mean, but I didn't really realize he'd had this big career in Italy. I mean, I knew he did, but I just didn't know. It just doesn't sink in. And then I worked with people there that uh, a lot of the crews, they worked on James Bond films. I mean, uh, Alec Mills, our director of photography on uh, King Kong Lives, who later went on to be the director of photography on the Timothy Dalton, some of the Timothy Dalton James Bond pictures, he was a camera operator uh, uh, working on like um, on Her Majesty's Secret Service, and I was just like, I was wow. away. I mean, because that was one of my favorite Bond movies, and then um, I didn't realize that the guy driving the Happy Toys truck. Uh, Carrie Lofton drove the drove the truck in Duel with with Dennis Hopper. Really? Yeah. And uh, I mean, did damn. I, mean, I, 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 I didn't I, even know that. I didn't know. I mean, he was one of the. They had several people there, but he was kind of the master of driving uh, big rigs. Big rigs. That's what his wife said. So, <laughs> um, I got to let you go here momentarily. But what what do you got coming up? What's what's on the on well, the palette? You know, in '95, which just sounds like ancient times, it was after I kind of wrapped up my my career uh, with the makeup effects. I got into writing, directing, producing. I had a small uh, production company in Virginia, and we did a ton of stuff for Home and Garden Television. I did commercials for Lowe's. I did commercials for Home Depot. I did commercials for attorneys. So I got to get back into my idea of writing, directing, producing uh, small productions. I directed a couple of features, and in the last several years. Uh, I've been back to my writing. I'm trying to up, up my writing game, and um, been working with some uh, high-end writing groups of trying to get some horror uh, horror projects out there. I produced a small sci-fi movie uh, two years ago called Angel, and we're finishing up the visual effects on that. It's a really wonderful little, a um, uh, lot of great actors. Uh, nice, nice little um, uh, sweet picture, you know, not right. or anything, but uh, uh, it was a fun, fun picture to work on. So I do that. I, I, I still have guys call me back to do sculptures. I just did a sculpture for Disney, um, um, the uh, cartoon uh, Moana, the little Hey Hey character, the little chicken. Yeah. Uh, they're doing a float for one of the Disney parades just before COVID hit, and they have little Hey Hey going around the boat in his little bucket, and they need, you always have to, you have to do study models. Uh, so I did a study model sculpture of Hey Hey and did them all in parts and pieces so they can mold it and then make the actual uh, Hey Hey out of um, colored silicone and, and make him come up and scream and look at everybody and all that. So wow. all, all those animatronics have to be sculpted first. Then I worked on um, the promo for the recent Twilight Zone reboot, which with uh, Jordan Peele, we did ads for um, uh, Twitter that were based on the old Rod Serling look of uh, la bare landscapes and like Salvador Dali, airplanes stuck in the sand or um, you know, uh, people coming out of uh, subway entrances out of the desert and, or I, and I sculpted this uh, 
giant head that uh, stairways so like his little figures are walking up into the mine and it says expand your mind so you know, it's fun to get back involved in a few things like that so spectacular i love twilight zone so much yeah. big big twilight zone fan the dames already heard me go endlessly about twilight zone and how awesome rod serling was mm-hmm. yeah he was just such a prolific writer and how he did all that stuff in the trenches during the war writing twilight zone and um, Planet of the Apes and just we know stuff. It was, it was what was great was recently I read uh, I start reading uh, or listening to audio audio books. Um, someone else reading to me um, all the great classic sci-fi. So I, I did Dune. I did uh, I did um, um, you know the Foundation series of Isaac Asimov. I did uh, uh, the Moon is a Cruel Mistress and and uh, Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Heinlein. Well, one of the things that I listened to was when the, and I don't know what, the Society of Sci-Fi Writers, somewhere in the, I don't know, 60s or 70s, they, they started doing their annual awards. Mm-hmm. Well, they said, let's go back from like the early 1900s, so all the big sci-fi writers choose all your favorite inspirational short stories that you, because mostly sci-fi was short stories, and the novels didn't come along till they started actually collecting the anthologies and making novelizations out of like uh, the, the Martian Chronicles and all that. Those are a collection of short stories Bradbury did for all the magazines. They said, well, go back, get all the classic stories and put them in the thing, and, and we'll put that in a book. And they willed it down to one story from every great writer and all things that influenced people. And I was listening to those, I realized how many of them were made in the Twilight Zone episodes. They all came from that classic sci-fi stories of long ago. Even the arena uh, from Star Trek with Kirk fighting the Gorgon or whatever, that they they wrote it, and then the research department said, you know, this is very much like a guy that wrote this story back, you know, whatever. And, you know, almost the same story, so let's just buy the rights to say that, you know, we... We, we, we did it. We got the rights to it. <laughs> it was, uh, it's amazing to hear how things come full circle on that. It's true. Dean, I'm, I'm going to let you go. How do the people at home and around the world follow you or keep up with whatever... New well, uh, I'm uh, I'm on Facebook. It's Dean Gates. You know, you can see my my smiling face, uh, gray-haired old fart. You know, looking out at you. Hardly. Yeah. So anyway, I, I, I'm uh, I'm on Facebook, and uh, that really is best. You can get up with me there. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. Hope you've had fun at Colorado Festival before. It has been a blast and smirk. Thank you. Pleasure. Oh. There you go, folks. Give us a like, give us a share, follow Dean. In the meantime, run fast, laugh hard, and always be kind. Good night. <laughs>